Welcome to the panel on RNZ National. Lovely to be with you this Tuesday. We crossed to the High Court in Auckland just after four, where a family is fighting for blood from unvaccinated donors for their sick baby. The panel has the latest for you. The uptake of new products, too slow. That's what a Commerce Commission report on building supplies says today. And New Zealand Rugby bids to host the inaugural Women's 15 tournament. New Zealand Rugby wasting no time in capitalising. We talk about that today. And we've had some fantastic sporting events this year, all good. But arts struggles to find any year at all. This was raised in an article. Is an award-winning kapahaka group or an exciting new video game as newsworthy as a hamstring injury? Would you like to see 10 minutes of dedicated arts news on the 6pm news? Also on the panel, Hamish Kilgar, co-founder of The Clean, has been found dead, police say. I talked with Flying Nun founder Roger Shepard at 4.30 and... You might have a personal memory of the clean. Maybe you saw them live. I'd love to hear from you today. You can text me, 2101, email the panel at rnz.co.nz. With me this afternoon, Screen Executive Catherine Graham. Kia ora, Catherine. Good to have you on. Oh, kia ora, Wallace. How are you? I'm so well today, Catherine. Also with me, Dean Horn, the CEO of Rocketworks. Dean, kia ora. Welcome to you too. Kia ora. All right, Catherine and Dean all lined up this Tuesday afternoon. Oh, and you might have heard Kirsty Alley, who rose to fame in the role of Rebecca Howe on Cheers, has died 71 after oh. a battle with cancer. Indeed. Fan of that show, uh, Catherine, Cheers. It was very influential, wasn't it? Yeah, she's a, she's an interesting character, I think, too, and she's gone through a few, um, what's it called? Um, not renovations. <laughs> Reinventions. Re- reinventions yeah. since then as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we might we'll chat about that uh, toward the end of the show. But this caught my attention. The marine heat wave is set to have quite the impact on temperatures this summer. Warm seas in the southwest Pacific are causing rising air and storminess. Ben Knoll from Niwa said given the high impact nature of recent summer marine heat waves, the marine sector should monitor the situation closely. And it so happens, if you want to look for marine impact, first look to sea sponges, for they could be the canary in the coal mine. James Bell is Professor of Marine Biology to Herangawaka at Victoria University. Professor Bell, kia ora. Uh, kia ora, Wallace. I found this interesting because we've talked a bit about marine heatways and the impact, but sea sponges, tell us about the role of sponges and the impact of marine heatwaves. Sure, yes. Yeah. Sponges are probably a really underappreciated group around New Zealand and uh, around the world. They're um, fairly, fairly simple animals, and their main role in life, I guess, is to, to suck in large quantities of water and strip all the small, tiny food particles out. So they're really important in kind of recycling, if you like, in the marine environment. So they serve a number of ecological functions. That's right, yeah. So as well as the kind of water, I guess, cleansing, if you like, um, role they have, they also are really important in providing kind of um, complex structures on the seafloor, particularly in rocky environments. So all the places that kind of fish congregate and live and feed, um, you often find you know, really large populations of sponges there. Right. Now, they were thought to be more resilient to ocean warming, huh? 
Yeah, so a lot of my early research has been on tropical sponges, and we found that tropical sponges tend to be more resilient to temperature stress than what corals do. So when corals bleach in a tropical environment, then um, sponges tend to uh, tend to survive in most cases. Yeah. Now, our panel might have some questions about this or some, uh, or some comments, but I can imagine, Professor Bell, this has real ramifications for any, anyone involved, even listening in today, uh, that's actually involved in the marine environment or the marine sector. Yeah, that's right. So the, the marine heat waves that we saw earlier on in the year um, had quite strong impacts on the, on the sponges. So there were sponge bleaching was reported from down in Fjordland where temperatures were nearly four to five degrees warmer than normal. Mm. Uh, and also up in, um, in Northland where um, a whole lot of sponges, we think hundreds of thousands were kind of, um, went all kind of necrotic and started to decay. The other sector should perhaps be concerned too. Right. Catherine Graham, let's bring you in on this, this topic here. Oh, kia ora, James. Um, Hi, kia ora. Kia ora. I was was really interested in the whole sponge thing because um, I guess mostly we hear about the corals and Mm. um, being an avid snorkeler and visiting many islands over my life, I've I've noticed the corals changing, but to hear about the sponges has been fascinating. So it led me to do a little bit of research, and um, (laughs) as you do, and... um, I, uh, there's no doubt the, the work of Hemi Cummings, who's a PhD um, um, student at Vic, that you'll know about his work with sponges and his discovery of the, is it the Patia mine um, um, element in the sponges yeah. it's a, it, that he's doing um, research around to try and synthesize this, this, ing- what's well, like a, ing- I don't know, it's, it's a element found in the sponge that um, has got anti-cancer properties that he's researching currently. Would you be familiar with his work, James? Not, not super familiar. I'm familiar with there's a big group who work on kind of, um, uh, I guess, pharmaceuticals from sponges that have done for quite a number of years. So um, sponges are, are kind of really important in, in that respect. So lots of studies all across the world have found potential anti-cancer, anti-microbial, anti-tumor drugs within sponges. <laughs> So I guess if we if we lose them all in response to marine heat waves, then you know there may be discoveries of chemicals out there that we've not yet, not yet even found. Oh yeah, uh, Dean. Well, I guess it's probably one of those things I'm imagining that you can also quantify. Uh, so that that allows you to maybe plot beta, uh, which was covered in the article. Uh, you know ha- how long uh, how long we've got, I suppose, and and uh, where things are speeding up or slowing down. Yeah, that, that, that's right. So, so we, we, we will be visiting and there are other groups looking at the sponges that were impacted in the marine heat waves last year to see how many have died. Because at the moment we don't have that data. We know that lots were impacted, but we're still waiting to, to see the data from surveys in a few months or so to see, you know, how many sponges died. But, you know, they, they, as, as I kind of said in the article, they could be the, the, the first species, the most susceptible species to be mm. impacted by these heat mm. waves. You are, you are saying too, James, that this is pretty important because you know, New Zealand's northern coastlines are already experiencing almost continuous marine heatwave conditions these days. So needless to say, um, Professor Bell, this must place real stress on sponges and, and indeed other species. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's not just the sponges that are experiencing stress. I guess we were we have been worried about climate change and heat warming impacts, you know, for what's going to happen in the next 50 or 100 years. But we're actually seeing some of these temperatures we were expecting in 100 years. We're actually seeing them now, you know, three or four degrees warmer than what the water would normally be. So, yeah, it is, um, I guess, something that we should be thinking about.
Yeah. The Hauraki Gulf, for example, there was a continuous heat wave of what, about 30 weeks? About 3.8 degrees Celsius above normal. Uh, That that, that to me sounds sounds pretty big. It is, yeah, it is. I mean, as I say, when we run or we have run climate change experiments in the past in the lab at the university, we mostly use IPCC um, future climate change predictions, which are, you know, two or three degrees warmer than what it is now. But these marine heat waves, are, are, we already experienced those temperatures here and now, not, you know, sometime in the future. It's and, that, and lots of yeah, these sponges, are, sorry, I was just going to um, inject with, and many of these are only found in New Zealand too as well. Isn't that right, James? That's right. So there's about 800 species of sponge in New Zealand, probably yeah. more. Um, some of them have, have not yet been described, and a lot of them are endemic to New Zealand, so only found here, not anywhere else in the world. Well, very good to have you on the program, Professor Val Kiura. Thanks for your time. Thank you for inviting me. That is James Bell, the Professor of Marine Biology at Victoria University. James says, the clean were next level magic live. Every time I saw them anywhere in the world, Hamish was one of the greatest drummers and a lovely man. That is so very sad. So your memories, uh, so your thoughts, your recollections, if you've seen the clean uh, live, uh, would uh, love to hear from you. You can text me 2101. Uh, and yes, absolutely, we would love uh, arts news. It's ridiculous how much of the news is sports. New Zealand needs to grow up. Uh, we do want um, uh, more arts news. Now, uh, a just news to hand. We talk about this just after for a hearing into whether a baby should receive blood from an unvaccinated person during a heart operation has ended with the judge reserving his decision at the High Court in Auckland a short time ago, Justice Galt says he has not yet decided if he will deliver reasons with his decision or release results with reasons to follow. And he told the court he is conscious of the urgency involved. We discussed that just after 4pm here on the panel. OK, it's time for I've Been Thinking. Catherine Graham, take it away. Well, this is a bit fluffy, but um, I've been thinking about the never-ending fascination with the uh, Prince Harry and Meghan Markle um, (laughs) sideshow (laughs) and um, as Netflix, uh, their first uh, of their many, um, apparently, documentary series is about to start on Thursday. It's a six-part series, which apparently um, Prince Harry and Meghan were paid around $100 million for an ongoing, um, keeping us an ongoing supply of, um, of you know, revelation upon revelation about how hard it is to be a royal and, well, an ex-royal, and how hard it is. I think Prince Harry was quoted about how hard it was um, for any woman to become a part of the royal institution or the royal family, which I thought was um, really kind of showing how um, tone deaf Prince Harry and Meghan have become to kind of real world issues and how removed they feel to real life problems. <laughs> and I suppose when you've been paid around 146 million US in deals with from Netflix, Spotify, for children's book and your own autobiography. Apparently, Harry was paid a um, book deal of around $20 million US for oh his book deal. It's it's never ending. And I'm just, when will, this, when will the fascination for these two ever end? I couldn't 
agree more, and it's not a fluffy topic. I'm glad you brought it up. I am struggling to understand the fascination with Meghan and Harry. The problem is, Catherine, will I watch it? And I probably will. (laughs) (laughs) But I hate it as well. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly, and I suppose this is the whole thing, um, is that... This, this fascination, particularly uh, in the US market, oh. seems to just be um, endless. But I noted that on Amazon, they were already giving, during the Black Friday sales, they were already giving away free copies of Prince Harry's book, Spare. Um, wow. So, Good I don't topic. know, it's not due to be released till January. Good um, on you, Catherine. So they were giving it back free. <laughs> oh, Megan and Harry. <laughs> Dean Hall, I've been thinking. Uh, mine is just about AI and sort of how it's it's sort of filtered into everything. But but we also seem to base a lot of what we think about it on entertainment. Uh, but, you know, people might have seen there's a lot of people getting AI portraits and stuff like that done for social media. There's a whole bunch of like tools about drawing. Uh, but I do think it raises some really interesting questions about what creativity is and uh, and even some good questions about what we as, say, humans bring to the whole creative spectrum as well. Expand on that. We talked about this yesterday, actually. So it so happens AI within the court system, Malaysia, for example, using mm-hmm. AI to process, process small courts claims. My question to you is, do you think that, because I'm seeing some of the, um, uh, what they can do now with the video and arts and paintings, they can do, for example, a Leonardo painting in the space of seconds. Are you worried about your career? Not really, because I think a lot of it does come down to pattern matching. So when you when you think about it like that, we've still got to create the stuff for the patterns, really. Catherine, what about you? When you see uh, AI um, putting out, say, film scripts, uh, Shortland Street, was there an example of that? <laughs> you know, it's actually quite astonishing. <laughs> um. It's quite frightening, actually, because creativity is one of the last, I would have thought, you know, Mm. individuals' creativity Mm. was one of the last sources of originality um, in existence. So it's really kind of rather scary to think of them, think of AI being able to create original works, or are they just following a format? I don't know, and recycling storylines. I'm not sure. Very Mm. good indeed. Catherine Graham and Dean Hall with me this afternoon. Do stay with us here on the panel on RNZ National.